0: A lot of these moments where these people who have been broken, who have been who are carrying this baggage from past relationships, have these breakthroughs from just a small tool that helped them get through that through that. And so it's so, so key.
1: So how important is your relationship you know in, in a way to make sure it works communication-wise? The, the, this is important for everyone to listen to because a lot of couples to stay together, especially you both are in the limelight, you both are public figures. That's a challenge, right? We're back to the Neil Haley show, and I am am excited to talk about this show. I'm excited to welcome, first of all, JoJo Fletcher and Jordan Rogers, host of a recent divorcee search for romance in paradise with one catch, the Big D. How are you guys, man? And this is an interesting show because I could imagine as I'm close to having a divorce and it's almost over, I couldn't imagine my ex being on an island with me and I'm trying to find new love with somebody else. that's a, that's a good, that's, that's a really, uh, I mean, that's C T V right? That's what
2: we loved about the show, right? I mean, it, you can go watch a, any kind of reality dating show you want on any different platform, but I don't think anybody has really gone after this type of reality show. And I think there's a reason, right? Divorce often gets a negative stereotype, a stigma around it. A lot of times it feels like the end of romance. A lot of people feel broken after divorce. And I think we really want to break those stereotypes because, divorce can be the start of something really beautiful and the start of new love. And I think that's, what's interesting is you bring all these couples together and all these divorce couples, you put them in the same house. You're going to get the fireworks, of the drama that you want them. I mean, you go somewhere with your ex, there's contentious relationship. You're dating somebody in front of your ex. Some of them aren't over the relationship. Some of them are completely over the relationship. So that's the drama that you love out of every good dating reality show. But on the other side of it, we have a relationship expert there. We put them through exercises that break the ice for, force them to work on communication and tools. They maybe didn't have in their previous relationship to help them start new love and new relationships. So you get the whole spectrum of the drama and the new love that pull at your heartstrings.
1: How important is communication, Jojo, especially in a relationship? I mean, that's why we're seeing so many relationships ending now because of COVID and after that, and everyone's reflected on their lives and what they really want to do and not do. And we all make these changes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I, I mean, I have to say, I always say this people, I think, you know, you can love someone the most you could ever love anything in the whole wide world. But if you don't have respect for that person, and if you can't communicate properly, it just, it's not going to work, right? It's not going to be a healthy relationship. So those are two big things that I always say that are so important communication has been something from the start of our relationship that we have had to continue to put in the work on, right? Yeah. No person's the same. No person thinks the exact same. So it's wow. always going to be something for a hundred years. It's going to be something you have to continuously work on and learn and relearn. Um. And so it is huge. And I think that was, you know, on the show, the big D you're going to see a huge variety of so many different issues that occurred in and past relationships and what led to, you know, the, the, the end of their relationship. So many times, it's over not being able to just communicate properly. and they learn with the right tools, like, hey, why did we let that break us? Like that was shouldn't have been a, deal, shouldn't breaker. Have been a right. deal breaker. And so that was a cool thing. I just got chills thinking about it because you see a lot of these moments where these people who have been broken, who have been who are carrying this baggage from past relationships have these breakthroughs from just a small tool that helped them get through that through that. And so it's so, so key.
1: So how important is your relationship? the you know in, in a way to make sure it works communication wise. The, the, this is important for everyone to listen to because a lot of couples to stay together, especially you both are in the limelight. You both are public figures. That's a challenge, right?
2: No doubt. And and we weren't shy away from the fact that our first year after the Bachelorette was right. really hard. I mean we came to a point where we're like, hey maybe we're just not right for each other we love each other but wow. this is not working we're we're not communicating we're not understanding each other and it's been a constant journey of deciding no no we're going to lean into it we're going to work on this we're going to choose each other but what was interesting about the show is we got a chance to sit in the green room or get makeup done wardrobe with dr jada jackson our relationship expert on the show so we got like 1000 hours of unbillable therapy sessions. And I hope she doesn't send us a bill for that. Um, But it was just little things that were like, you know, we still can work on that. So it's just having an awareness that look, you're with the right person, but no relationships. Perfect. No person is perfect. So you're always going to have moments of growth and areas that you can grow.
1: And communication is a big thing, Jojo. If you're willing to make changes and try different things and meet your 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 significant other halfway, that's the only way it's gonna work. It can't be someone else having to work on all Compromise. their problems and not the other person.
0: Self awareness is very key. It is a very key part of a relationship. Owning when you've done something, when you've been in the wrong, apologizing when you need to, self awareness, compromising, so many different things that I think, you know, we we have practiced throughout our Relationship and we continue
1: to practice. What do, what tip do you give couples to keep the relationship going, especially with now it's a different world, right? We can get online, we can do different things. We think we can have a new yeah. life really fast. Everyone's about changing their lives quickly and not really looking at having a trusting partner to stay with, which is going to be the most successful people in the world. They have someone by them by their side for success in life in love, mm-hmm. and love and happiness. What do you what What is your recommendation to couples?
0: I mean, I think for us, like all the things that we just talked about, right? Putting in the work is so important. But I think you gotta remember to have fun with your partner. Like yeah. one one of the things that we love, even hosting shows together, working together in daily life, like this should be like your your best friend, right? So so do the things that create joy between each other and laughter. Laughing is so good. So whether that's if you feel like you're in a rut. Go to a comedy show, go do something that you both really enjoy together because having
2: intentional those, about that
0: having those moments together where you're just like dying, laughing, or having so much fun, or creating new experiences really rebonds you. Um, and so I think that that's something that we, we're lucky to we love working together, we love hosting these shows together, we love just day to day life together. So I think that's been you know, having a best friend in a relationship, I think is super important.
2: And finding areas and times to disconnect. I think you you mentioned just the social media. I mean, we have access to anything at any time, Yeah, we I do. think, which can be distracting and also connect like the grass is greener somewhere. So finding ways to disconnect from technology. We take these long walks in our neighborhood all the time, three, four times a week, couple mile walk where we're not on our phones. We're just out in nature talking, yeah. spending quality time together. I think is really important because in this day and age, it's easy to just not do that. Yeah. Be down your on your
0: phone all day or you know being so not intentional with your relationship
1: yeah. exactly and and getting away from what you are and so especially if you're public figures like you two to get away and just try to be normal right that's the important thing as a couple yeah. and to enjoy that normalcy that's the key thing and so what do you think your biggest surprise that we should watch on this show because i'm still thinking about this as my soon-to-be ex- wife, if I was on the same island with her, what the hell would that be like? But seriously.
3: Yeah. Huh?
1: No, thank you.
0: (laughs) Um, You know, I will say, Jordan said it, like this show has everything that you need for the fireworks, for the drama, for like, can't take your eyes off the the TV screen. But people will be surprised. I think that there's so much, there's so many more layers to this show and, and there's, these breakthrough moments and you become very invested in these individuals you become very invested in the couples the relationships that are forming you really start to root for them um there are moments where i i was i was teary-eyed and i was crying in moments and i was like why am i crying right now um but then there's moments where you're up till like 3 a.m because the house has been set on fire basically and you're trying to like put the fire out so there's just there's so many things that you can expect but i will say you do get the pull on the heartstrings, and then
2: you'll thing. notice episode one that there are certain individuals and couples that maybe come to this going, "I'm single, I'm ready to mingle, I'm gonna drink and have some fun, <laughs> find me a new boyfriend, girl, whatever it is." And in a couple days or a couple exercises down the road, they start looking at their ex going, "Wait a second, wait, I thought this was over." I oh my
1: goodness, that's crazy! So people definitely need to yeah. check out the Big D premiering Wednesday, June fourteenth on USA and Peacock so I appreciate it uh uh this is going to be a fantastic time and Peacock's a great network and I appreciate you guys for stopping by thank
0: thanks. you thanks. so much
1: all right you're listening and watching the Neil Haley show we'll be back in just a moment we're back to the Neil Haley show my guest today again is the founder of Fabulingua, Leslie Omama Omana Baker Leslie thanks for stopping by and we're going to talk about Spanish learning apps Spanish language apps and for early childhood and how Fabiolingua is different than lots of those apps out there today, isn't it?
3: Yeah. You know, in actual fact, this was exactly why I designed Fabulingua. I um, I came back from uh, visiting my grandma and I suddenly realized that she's from Venezuela. I took my son and I realized, wow, you know, he cannot communicate with his grandmother or his cousins. So I came home and and I decided, hey, you know what, we're going to teach my son Spanish and the first thing I did was look for apps right like that's the logical thing but actually almost every app i found out there was some version of some glorified flashcard the idea behind most children's apps is to teach you these piles of vocabulary you know all your farm animals there's like a farm animal unit all your colors there's a color unit all you know and i i speak four languages I know a lot of that language learning. And it's not the way you learn a language. You don't memorize piles of vocabulary, even if it's fun, and even if they're kind of like in a fun game. Learning piles of vocabulary is not how you learn a language. You have to learn it in context. You have to, stories is the best way. And there was, there were no apps out there that that kind of taught a language in that more comprehensive sort of contextual basis which is what Fabulingua does, we teach, we're an app, but we teach through stories. Um, And we teach through this, what the science of second language acquisition has told us is the best way to teach, which is called comprehensible input. So um, the difference is that most of those apps are pretty lightweight, they're gonna teach you very token amount of vocabulary and you're gonna feel like, hey, great, my my kid knows how to count or he knows the colors, but that's not learning a language. Um, You really want to do a story based app that really focuses on storytelling in order that you're learning the larger context of the words uh, and what they mean and how you use them. Um, And that's what really Fabulingua does. Um, And it, it it does it through a method of comprehensible input, which is the best practice for teaching a second language.
1: It definitely seems like as you've been talking about it, because the other apps just go to the basics and it really doesn't keep the kids on task independently either. The apps are built to more play for a little bit, but you really need that extra input. And what you've built, how you built this is the kids can work independently. I think it's very, very important.
3: Yeah, no, it's totally designed around independent learning because, you know, really that's what I wanted to do is, is to, to, to make sure that my kid was getting as much exposure as possible during the week. And for that, because I'm busy doing other things, I really needed for her to be able to learn independently. Um, and uh, so the independent learning is, is a key component. The other thing is that we're actually a mobile game. We're not just an app. All of our stories are located inside a mobile game with a journey where you unlock locations and you get treasure chests and all sorts of like delicious mobile game um, mechanics. And so that really keeps kids engaged. It's not just gamified with a few points for getting something. It's a full, legit mobile game, which kids love because that's really what they want to be doing. They want to be playing mobile games. So, you know, why not join them uh, in their desires and meet them where they are?
1: And you're like one of the first to do that in a, in, a, in a Spanish learning app, right? Especially for early childhood. Yes,
3: absolutely. Yes, we're um, the we're I think the only game out mobile game out there for kids that is based on stories and storytelling and based rooted in comprehensible input, which really is the best practice for teaching a second language.
1: So that that's powerful. Being the first to the party, and you're seeing the in your research that gaming, learning, gaming apps are going to become more and more popular moving forward, aren't they?
3: Oh yeah, I mean the future of education is undoubtedly in gaming, and for kids because they're on devices, it's in mobile gaming because mobile game m- mobile devices are much more accessible than you know full-on uh, gaming stations. So really, the future of learning is in mobile gaming and the reason for that is that mobile games have managed to find that magic formula of keeping your attention and that is one of the key components in learning anything particularly in learning a language you've got to be paying attention you've got to want to be there you've got to be engaged in order for you to learn that language and that's what mobile games do so well so that really is why mobile games are such a great strategy for for language learning
1: they definitely are and uh the hope is that you, the kids will now understand and speak more of a foreign language, especially Spanish with fabi language And that's gotta make parents happy because we talked about the benefits of learning another language and to do it in a way that is fun, that's awesome.
3: Yeah, it's it's awesome, not just because, hey, wouldn't it be great if everything in life was fun, but it's actually awesome because the science tells us that making something fun and engaging and having it be compelling to the child is actually essential in language learning. It's really one of the key things. One of the foremost linguists in second language acquisition, Dr. Stephen Krashen talks about this a lot. He says that material has to be compelling to the learner. So what's more compelling to a child than a mobile game and stories that's what has always games and stories is what they've always been about right so we just met them where they are and then we're delivering that comprehensible input which is so key through this compelling engaging content that's uniquely designed for children
1: and you think about early childhood learning the first thing we we'll are do is we're going to read a book to someone secondly yeah. after that if you're not going to have time they're going to be doing something with a device we can't stop that from happening right that's just Again, that's, it's, it's, it's the 21st century, but put those all together into one system and it works. And I think the other thing that you're doing is a lot of language mobile apps are not trying to really work with schools and how you're partnering with schools, especially is huge to be able to create this, to really make it for the teacher too, because the te- they need a resource like this.
3: Yes. I mean, in actual fact, we first built this for parents, but then it was teachers who came out. It was an app built for parents and built for families and teachers just came out of the woodwork and started asking us left, right and center. Can I have this for my school? Do you have a version for the school where I can onboard my class of 30 kids? And the answer at the time was no. So when we got enough of these requests, we're like, we need to do this. We need to do this for teachers. They're asking us for it asking us for it so um the the teacher dashboard will be built uh phase one of it will be built by the end of this summer um right now though in the meantime we do have a special promotion for teachers um to uh to get uh for free for the summer for their students so more on that in the link below but um it's pretty exciting um language learning for free over the summer it's so good for kids' brains to be learning a second language. It just really helps them focus um, and um, makes them kind of, it, there's so much evidence on how it makes you smarter, it makes you more focused, it, make, it it improves your executive function. So these are all great things to be working on over the summer and language learning does it naturally. That's what it does.
1: And they could either head out over to the app store or go to fabiolingua.com and learn today, right?
3: Oh yeah, well fabulingua.com is where you would learn about us, but right now we're only and we're delivered as an app. So to get the product, it's not on fabulingua.com. You have to go to the App Store or Google Play Store, you search for Fabulingo, find it, download it, go through the onboarding and in you and you are.
1: Appreciate it, Leslie. Another great conversation and really telling people this summer it's time to learn a new language. Try Fabulingo today. I appreciate it, Leslie.
3: Thank you so much.
1: All right, you're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Strategic Wealth Strategies Podcast with our host, Alan Porter. Alan, what's going on, man? How are you?
4: Well, everything's great here in North Carolina. The weather's beautiful. We've had a big thunderstorm last night, but it's a beautiful day here now.
1: Oh, I'm telling you, it's great when it's beautiful weather out. It's beautiful in Texas as well. And what are we going to talk about today?
4: Well, I brought this, this particular subject up several months ago, but it's it's about the 401k. It's outdated and needs to be replaced. So what I've done, again, I'm going to bring my PowerPoint up, done a little editing to it, and bear with me one second. All right, we got it. Okay. All right. I've entitled this, 401ks are a scam, and do you want proof? Well, everybody says, well, I've, I've been listening to Wall Street for years. And they said the 401k is the absolute thing to do. Here's our six reasons why 401ks are a scam. Reason one, the tax deferral scam. In our immediate gratification society, deferring your taxes for funding your 401k sounds good, but it's not. Can, let me ask you a question. Though. Can you tell me what the tax rates will be 10, 20, 30 years from now?
1: Oh, very high. You. Very high.
4: Well, Listen, the Congressional Budget Office report that was put out last fall. Uh, yeah, last fall. And I've got a uh, an error on here because it's 66%. They need to be increased by 66% overall or we're not even going to be able to pay the debt on a $31 trillion deficit. And that's back then. We have, Our deficit's more than that now. And the thing is, unfortunately, if tax rates go up and you, you're successful in growing your, your nest egg, you're going to be a, in a much, much higher tax bracket. And that that right there goes away with that, the tax referral. It's not a tax deferral. As I tell people, would you really pay taxes on the seed or the harvest? Well, I'll tell you which one the government wants you to pay on and that's the harvest. And it's gonna be being on a rate that that they institute on you and you have no control over it. The free money scam. Well, here's the thing. Well, I, I contribute to my 401k, but I, I have an employer match. Well, let me tell you something. Business people are smart. They're not going to give you something for nothing. Uh, they pay 99, 99 cents less salary on average because of their match. It just depends on on how much they're going to match. Plus, you don't even get all the employees matched during the first four to six years because you have to be, what is it, tenured? Yes. And if you leave your job before that, you typically don't get, get the match at all. And according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average time a person stays on a job is only 4.1 years. Yeah. Uh, and get a load of this—it's even less than that for younger people. And people don't realize these—all these things people have no no idea about. You now, and they should, because it affects their financial future. This is huge. Fees will devour your hard-earned money. In spite of rules passed a few years ago requiring better a 401 fee disclosure, surveys show most participants. And still have no clue how much they're actually paying. Do you realize, Neil, that a fee, a 1% fee over a 30 year period will reduce your income by one third? And the average fee for a 401k is 2.88% across the board. And that's by Forbes magazine. And I've got a couple of videos uh, that came from ABC. They're interviewing a lobbyist from Washington. He lobbies for the 401k, for lobbies for Wall Street. They put him on a spot. And he asked me, why aren't you, why aren't you uh, showing the fees to the consumer? Well, we think the consumer, we don't like to, you know, to do a change. I said, yeah, you don't like to do a change because you're making a ton of money. People have no idea. People in smaller companies, you are going to lose half of their retirement because of, because of fees alone. And that doesn't even count market risk. I'll tell you, you know, it's just like Wall Street. Somebody's getting rich. It's just like the 60-40 stock split with Wall Street. It doesn't work. It's outdated. It doesn't work in retirement. And the 401k doesn't work out out anymore. It's outdated. It needs to be replaced. The other thing, funding a 401k is like putting your money in prison. You have no access to it. You've got to be 59 and a half before you even take the money out. If you take it out before, it's a 10% penalty. you have to beg for permission to use your own money. There's all kinds of restrictions and penalties for accessing your own money. You know, I've got products and and strategies that you can access your money anytime. You can retire tax free before 59 and a half if you want, if you build it up properly, and you have access to your money. Uh, It does not affect taxation of social security or means testing Medicare Part B, which a 401k does, and that's thousands per year. It's also, from lawsuits and liens and judgments. This isn't the myth of market returns. This is the propaganda that Wall Street puts out. You've been told over the long term you can do well in the stock market. Over the last two decades, the average equity mutual fund investor has earned only 4.25% per year, beating inflation by only 2.1% per year. It's not beating inflation now, it's losing money. Asset allocation investors average only 2.89% per year, Median inflation by less than 1%. These were old figures. What is it inflation right now? I think it's around 6.5%, isn't it, yeah. It was up at a 40-some year high. Yet Wall Street has brain brainwashed us to believe we have have to put risk our money in, in order to get any kinds of decent returns. And putting the money in a 401k in, in Wall Street is not the answer. And I did a a previous podcast where I discussed the, I call it the desert, stock market desert, because there's a country in the world here that hasn't recovered in over 33 years from their stock market crash, and that's Japan. And back in 2000, 2000 yeah, 2002, excuse me, 2000, and 2010, the S&P didn't recover, the stock market did not recover. In fact, it had a 4% loss in that 10 year period. But the indexing strategies that I use for my products had a 5% gain. And my products are tax-free. After decades of running lab rats in the great 401 experiment, most retirees still don't even have posted to enough saved. The average person, I think, only has something like $135,000 put in into their 401k. Even the father of the four, I mean, even the father of the 401k, T, Ted Vien, he says it's out of control and needs to be blown up. He said, now he puts most of his type of money into my strategy. How much evidence do you need? for 401Ks are not the solution. They're touted to be. The more accurate name for a 401K is hope and pray. It makes Wall Street rich, not you. It makes the financial advisors wealthy because they make a a fee whether you make money or not. Now, Neil, I used to be a registered investment advisor, but I stopped doing that this year. I turned my assets over management over to a member of my team member who does that. But I have a, a great... Conflict of interest, charging people a fee whether they make money or not. So I just concentrate on safe products that protects the family and protects your assets. So are there good alternatives to 401k? The answer is yes, but you're not going to hear, hear about it from any financial advisor as they only deal in stocks and bonds. And they call themselves fiduciaries. And they get paid a fee whether you make money or not. Are they looking out for your best interest or the best interest of themselves and the companies they work for? You need to ask them, put them on the spot. Here's at least 10 benefits and more using my tax-free retirement strategy. And it makes an excellent alternative to conventional finance, or, 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 or retirement plans. First off, it's the best tax-code approved, tax-free retirement system available today with many, many benefits that a stock portfolio cannot produce. You have guaranteed predictable growth and retirement income with no luck, skill, or guesswork required. There's no volatility because we're not tied to the market. You're in control of your money without government penalties and restrictions on how much you can take out and when you can take it out. The tax advantages... You access your principal and grow up with no taxes due under current tax law. Liquidity. Your cash value can easily uh, and immediately be tapped for any purposes. I show people how to become their own bank, you know, how to get out of debt, paying themselves compound interest and not the financial institutions. I bet in the last two weeks, I have saved people over $10 million in interest on the programs of the form.
1: Wow.
4: We have a group of financial advisors from the Smart Advisor Program. I would say we're close to saving over a half a billion dollars in interest for our clients in the last year and a half to two years. Fees don't compound against you. Now, one of the things people say, especially uh people that do uh assets under management, well, insurance insurance is too expensive. Well, it's expensive up front. It's an inverted expense as the cost, I mean, as as the cash value grows to build towards the uh the death benefit, the cost of insurance goes down. And not so with the stock portfolio. As your stock portfolio grows, so goes the fees. And again, you pay that fee whether you make money or not. You're protected from litigation. You're not You're not protected from litigation with, the, with a stock portfolio. It avoids probate. A lot of people don't know what probate is, but probate is a lawsuit that's initiated by you that you're gonna pay for and you're gonna lose. Because I don't know if people remember uh, Joe Robbie, of Joe Robbie Stadium, in the Miami Dolphins. He was worth four hundred million dollars at one time because he had no exit plan, no will or trust set up properly. His estate went into probate, and as a state and his family got next to nothing because they had to sell the team and the asset just to pay the taxes on the estate. Uh, I don't, pe- I hope people remember Prince. The beneficiaries are going to get anywhere from probably fifteen to twenty percent of that estate because it's in probate. And here's something else that's real criminal, as far as I'm concerned. Attorney's gonna get six to twelve percent of that estate. Oh my God. It's tax-free for long-term care options. So people need to understand. And I have people tell me all the time, oh, I'm never gonna need long-term care. Well, guess what? 70% of all Americans are gonna need long-term care at some point in their life. Forty percent of all Americans right now are on are on long-term care between the 18 and 64. And I just had to put my brother, I'm 70, he's 75, I had to put him in a nursing home last spring. The state patrol back in Nebraska, where I'm from, called his daughter up and said, you need to come get your father. He's disoriented disoriented, and doesn't know what he's doing. They caught him going down the interstate in the wrong direction. He could have killed himself with somebody else. But here's something else people don't understand. It does not affect the taxation of social security or the means testing for Medicare Part B. And that can be thousands of dollars per year, plus many, many other benefits. Now this is kind of a short presentation of what that does for you. But please don't hesitate to share those with your family and friends. I've got books out, I've got other podcasts out, I've got videos on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel people can go to. But if this interests you, please give me, you know, call me at 910-551-1046. My email address is strategicwealthzero at gmail.com. I'll prepare a free analysis for you. I'll show you the benefits. I'll explain the benefits to you because other financial planners that just do a fee-based asset are not gonna do this because number one, I don't think they know about the product. If they do, they're not educated. And number three, they're not a licensed seller. I just wanna thank everybody for watching. And Neil, this stuff needs to be put out to as many people out there as possible because it's affecting their financial life or financial futures. People have no idea about the fees in their 401k it's going
1: to destroy him, Alan, this is such great information. Again, you add these components that no one's talking about. And it's so important to look at that the 401k and especially younger people think they're going to invest. Go ahead, pay off your debt first. Get cash value life insurance. Follow, do your debt-free for life plan. Especially if you're getting your new house and the car, do it. Or even before you think about those things and contact Alan today. And Alan is another great podcast. You talk about your YouTube channel, how it educates people so much. There's so much valuable information that you're only talking about. And we appreciate it all every time, Alan, we do the show. All
4: right. Well, Neil, thank you very much.
1: All right. Have that was the strategic well, all right. That was the strategic wealth strategies podcast. Guys, take care. We're back to the Neil Haley Show. My guest today, again, is the founder of Fabulingua. Leslie Omana Baker. Leslie, thanks for stopping by. And we're going to talk about Spanish learning apps, Spanish language apps, and for early childhood and how Fabulingua is different than lots of those apps out there today, isn't it?
3: Yeah. You know, in actual fact, this was exactly why I designed Fabulingua. I, um, I came back from uh, visiting my grandma and I suddenly realized that she's from Venezuela. I took my son and I realized, wow, you know, he cannot communicate with his grandmother or his cousins. So I came home and, and I decided, hey, you know what? We're gonna teach my son Spanish. And the first thing I did was look for apps, right? Like that's the logical thing. But actually almost every app I found out there was some version of some glorified flashcard. The idea behind most children's apps is to teach you these piles of vocabulary, you know, all your farm animals, there's like a farm animal unit, all your colors, there's a color unit, all, you know, and I, I speak four languages. I know a lot about language learning and it's not the way you learn a language. You don't memorize piles of vocabulary, even if it's fun. And even if they're kind of like in a fun game. Learning piles of vocabulary is not how you learn a language, you have to learn it in context, you have to, stories is the best way, and there was, there were no apps out there that, that kind of taught a language in that more comprehensive sort of contextual basis, which is what Fabulingua does, we teach, we're an app, but we teach through stories. Um, and we teach through this, what the science of second language acquisition has told us is the best way to teach, which is called comprehensible input. So um, the difference is that most of those apps are pretty lightweight. They're gonna teach you very token amount of vocabulary and you're gonna feel like, hey, great. My, col- my kid knows that account or he knows the colors, but that's not learning a language. Um, you really wanna do a story-based app that really focuses on storytelling in order that you're learning the larger context of the words uh, and what they mean and how you use them. Um, And that's what really Fabulingua does. Um, And it does it it through a method of comprehensible input, which is the best practice for teaching a second language.
1: It it definitely seems like it as you've been talking about it, because the other apps just go to basics. And it really doesn't keep the kids on task independently either. The apps are built to more... Play for a little bit but you really need that extra input and what you've built how you built this is the kids can work independently i think it's very very important
3: yeah no it's totally designed around independent learning because you know really that's what i wanted to do is is to 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 make sure that my kid was getting as much exposure as possible during the week and for that because i'm busy doing other things i really needed for her to be able to learn independently um and uh so the independent learning is, is a key component. The other thing is that we're actually a mobile game. We're not just an app. All of our stories are located inside a mobile game with a journey where you unlock locations and you get treasure chests and all sorts of like delicious mobile game um, mechanics. And so that really keeps kids engaged. It's not just gamified with a few points for getting something. It's a full legit mobile game, which kids love because that's really what they wanna be doing. They wanna be playing mobile games. So. You know, why not join them uh, in their desires and meet them where they are?
1: And you're like one of the first to do that in a a Spanish learning app, right? Especially for early childhood. Yes,
3: absolutely. Yes, we're, um, we're, I think, the only game, mobile game out there for kids that is based on stories and storytelling and based, rooted in comprehensible input, which really is the best practice for teaching a second language.
1: So that that's powerful. Being the first to the party, and you're seeing the in your research that gaming, learning, gaming apps are going to become more and more popular moving forward, aren't they?
3: Oh yeah. I mean, the future of education is undoubtedly in gaming, and for kids because they're on devices, it's in mobile gaming because mobile game m- mobile devices are much more accessible than you know full on uh, gaming stations. So really, the future of learning is in mobile gaming and the reason for that is that mobile games have managed to find that magic formula of keeping your attention and that is one of the key components in learning anything particularly in learning a language you've got to be paying attention you've got to want to be there you've got to be engaged in order for you to learn that language and that's what mobile games do so well so that really is why mobile games are such a great strategy for for language learning
1: they definitely are and uh the hope is that you, the kids will now understand and speak more of a foreign language, especially Spanish with fabi Lingua. And that's gotta make parents happy because we talked about the benefits of learning another language and to do it in a way that is fun, that's awesome.
3: Yeah, it's, it's awesome, not just because, hey, wouldn't it be great if everything in life was fun, but it's actually awesome because the science tells us that making something fun and engaging and having it be compelling to the child is actually essential in language learning. It's really one of the key things. One of the foremost linguists in second language acquisition, Dr. Stephen Krashen talks about this a lot. He says that material has to be compelling to the learner. So what's more compelling to a child than a mobile game and stories that's what has always games and stories is what they've always been about right so we just met them where they are and then we're delivering that comprehensible input which is so key through this compelling engaging content that's uniquely designed for children
1: and you think about early childhood learning the first thing we we'll are do is we're going to read a book to someone secondly yeah. after that if you're not going to have time they're going to be doing something with a device we can't stop that from happening right that's just Again, it's it's the 21st century, but put those all together into one system and it works. And I think the other thing that you're doing is a lot of language mobile apps are not trying to really work with schools and how you're partnering with schools, especially is huge to be able to create this, to really make it for the teacher too, because they need a resource like this.
3: Yes. I mean, in actual fact, we first built this for parents, but then it was teachers who came out. It was an app built for parents and built for families and teachers just came out of the woodwork and started asking us left, right and center. Can I have this for my school? Do you have a version for the school where I can onboard my class of 30 kids? And the answer at the time was no. So when we got enough of these requests, we're like, we need to do this. We need to do this for teachers. They're asking us for it asking us for it so um the the teacher dashboard will be built uh phase one of it will be built by the end of this summer um right now though in the meantime we do have a special promotion for teachers um to uh to get uh fabulingua for free for the summer for their students so more on that in the link below but um it's pretty exciting um language learning for free over the summer it's so good for kids' brains to be learning a second language. It just really helps them focus um, and um, makes them kind of, it, there's so much evidence on how it makes you smarter, it makes you more focused, it makes it, it improves your executive function. So these are all great things to be working on over the summer and language learning does it naturally. That's what it does.
1: And they could either head out over to the app store or go to fabiolingua.com and learn today, right?
3: Oh yeah, well fabulingua.com is where you would learn about us, but right now we're only and we're delivered as an app. So to get the product, it's not on fabulingua.com. You have to go to the App Store or Google Play Store, you search for Fabulingua, find it, download it, go through the onboarding and and you and you are.
1: Appreciate it, Leslie. Another great conversation and really telling people this summer it's time to learn a new language. Try Fabulingo today. I appreciate it, Leslie
3: thank you so much
1: all right you're listening and watching the neil haley show and we'll be back in just a moment. we're back to the neil haley show my guest today is david hollenbach david thanks for stopping hollenbach leadership we have been having fun doing some co-hosting but you talked to me about ptsd remember we were talking uh again to Juliet watt and hearing her struggles with ptsd that is not a person that was a firefighter was not Someone in the military like you, both of those situations that normal everyday people have PTSD, but we use this all the time, man, I have PTSD from this trauma. How do we define PTSD that if someone has post traumatic stress disorder, kind of explain. So
5: there's a, a criterion that mental health professionals use to actually diagnose somebody with PTSD. And um, And as I'm going through this list, uh, you know there are so many people out there that I know are struggling with it, but they're in denial um and refuse to get help and maybe they've had bad experiences with um you know mental health professionals therapists counselors that sort of thing uh i know that i did um i i was really turned off by the mental health community because of some real crappy therapists early on when uh you know i, I think when i first went and started seeing somebody, it was right after the death of my brother in in 2010. And, uh, you know, it was, I went to see a grief counselor and I really felt like I should have gone to somebody that specialized in grief. And that's what I thought this person was, but they were more of like a, a family therapist you know, marriage and family therapist, not necessarily uh, specializing in grief counseling or trauma or anything like that. Um, And it wasn't until years later that I actually started learning more about mental health, and that there are therapists out there that specialize in PTSD, trauma, grief. Um, You know, one of the things that Juliet uh mentioned in that interview you know it was what she based her tedx talk on was um you know compassion uh fatigue uh that that's common in it you know it could be a clergy that um you know they're they're dealing with with death you know maybe counseling uh families that have lost a child or something like that you know um therapists can experience compassion fatigue, firefighters, cops, nurses, doctors, all these things, right? Well, um, just so that we can kind of clear it up and and really enlighten people that that might not know that they're struggling with PTSD. Uh, and this would be something that hopefully will you know maybe lead to somebody going and getting the help that they need and not continue to struggle with with these difficulties. And, and so I'll just start with uh, trouble falling or staying asleep, um, having difficulty concentrating, feeling jumpy or easily start startled um being super alert or watchful or on guard you know uh like that that was one of the things for me well all these kind of apply like and as i go you may find that some of these apply to yourself right um taking too many risks or doing things that could cause you harm uh, irritable behavior, angry outbursts, or acting aggressively, trouble experiencing positive feelings, for example, being unable to feel happiness or have loving feelings for the people close to you, um, feeling distant or cut off from other people, loss of interest in activities that you used to enjoy. Um Having strong negative feelings such as fear, horror, anger, guilt, or shame. Uh, Blaming yourself or someone else for the stressful experience or whatever happened uh, after the event. And this could be a singular event or it could be years of events, stressful situations, traumatic events. Uh, in the case of, you know, firefighters, cops, nurses, um, you know, veterans, it it could be one horrific event, or it could be, you know, years of of trauma. Um, Having strong negative beliefs about yourself, other people or the world. um, Like, for example, having thoughts such as, I am bad, there is something seriously wrong with me. No one can be trusted, the world is completely dangerous. Um, Trouble remembering important parts of the stressful experience. Avoiding external reminders of the stressful experience. For, For example, people, places, conversations, activities, objects, or situations. You know, and in my case, there was a period of time where I would avoid certain parts of town because there were buildings or intersections that I, I would drive through these intersections and I couldn't help but, you know, relive the the, the stress reaction or really having these, these memories, very vivid memories. And sometimes even like the, the smell would, would be present. And, you know, this is like years later, I go through an intersection and and smell the diesel fuel and the burnt flesh, you know, it's uh, wow. you can, like taste it. Um, you know, so I, I would avoid these parts of town uh subconsciously. You know, I just wouldn't it would I would find myself driving out of my way to go someplace and like go, what? why did I go that way? And then it started occurring to me that, you know, these are areas of town that that trigger these these memories and and like this this physical response. Um And so that brings me to, to the next having strong physical reactions when something reminds you of the stressful experience, um, like your heart pounding, uh, you know, getting short of breath. I mean, like I would just start sweating, like all of a sudden, like my back and my armpits would, I would just start getting all. Wow. Sweaty, you know, and then, and then feeling very upset when something reminds you of it like you know like why in the world am i thinking about this right now i you know because it's it, it always happens at the wrong time all right and uh suddenly feeling or acting as if that experience were actually happening again you know It's it, and it just you start going, man, am I losing my mind? Um, mm-hmm. you know, repeated disturbing dreams of the stressful experience, uh, repeated disturbing and unwanted memories of the stressful experience. So, these are all things that these are all questions a lot of times in my experience, when you go to see somebody for, for PTSD, um, they know why you're there and there's these questionnaires and basically you, you score yourself on each one of those items, you know, not at all to, you know, like, yeah, it, it happens all the time. Um, And they'll, they'll do it like in the last week, the last two weeks, the last month, how many times have these things happened? Mm -hmm. Um, And they evaluate your level of depression or anxiety. And those are things now being hyper vigilant, That was something that I struggled with a lot. I could not have my back to the front of a restaurant. I always wanted to be in the back of the restaurant facing where everybody else was, um, Know, I would go to events, concerts. I think if it got too crowded, you know, if somebody bumped into me, I would get really, really aggressive. And I mean, like, in even in grocery stores or Costco, you know, like, you know, how people, yeah, their way through, but there's forms of it,
1: and some people are dealing with it differently than others. So, if you have mild PTSD versus you have some of these symptoms how do you recover from something like that if you cuz a lot of people have that from some experience in their life traumatic experience they had in their lives
5: yeah uh, without the right tools i i i mean i i feel like there's no overcoming it so that's why you go see a, a therapist that's why you go to retreats or you know you you talk to somebody that specializes in that and understands what brings all these things on and really helps you develop the the coping mechanisms so that you recognize when you're starting to get triggered and you can you know de-escalate right the those feelings um and there's a lot of different modalities to to do that i mean And and of course, you know, when it comes to severe depression or anxiety, there's medications, especially if you're really, really struggling and it's hard to do the work. I mean, I had to take medications to to make it um, doable for me to Mm -hmm. really face those demons without like breaking down and crying, you know. Or getting extremely angry and frustrated and, and like the, the self-loathing, the self-hate for like, I could have done that better. You know, I mean, there's, there's deaths that are just these violent deaths that I had no control over, no part in the actual death but i went to the event to save this person's life and there was nothing i can do and there is a level of guilt that you know like um if if maybe if i had done this maybe if i had driven faster maybe if i had gotten my gear on quicker but when you look at the times and i've actually done this where i've looked at the call sheets and looked at the times of when my vehicle actually left the fire station and how fast i got to the scene and at some point you have to recognize like this was out of my control there was nothing that i could have done to save that person's life and you know you you still you can you can see the look in their eyes yeah you know I, I don't I don't think there's any I don't think there's any cure for it. I think there's tools that you can equip yourself with to get back to a place of normalcy uh in a in a place where you can actually be uh, kind of like the person that you used to be.
1: Uh, And that's uh, so the best place people can find information. You have all that information on your website. Where's your website again?
5: Hollenbachleadership.com. And at the top of the page where there's the, uh, the directory of of the website, you'll find uh, the resources page and it's the, the mental health resources. Uh, And there's a, a ton of content on that page. It's all free um and there's uh directories for people that you know uh, i've got a national directory for ptsd resources so um it doesn't matter where you're at in the united states there's there's stuff out there
1: all right well we appreciate it david thanks for stopping by again all right i'm watching the neil haley show and we'll be back in just a moment Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and celebrity interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Greg, what's going on, man? How are you?
6: I am beside myself with excitement because we're going to talk to one of my absolute favorite actors
1: ever, Flash Gordon. Absolutely. So, again, Sam Jones, Flash Gordon. Sam, when we talked the last time, welcome to the show. When we talked the last time, you know what blew me away was ultimately how of a humble man you are. But really, I wish I could have had about 52 stories of watching Flash Gordon, because I literally watched it maybe 20 or 25 times the movie. And there's not many movies in my life that I watched that many times. Why do you think so many people watch your movie over and over again?
6: Well, first of all, guys, thank you for having me. Well, I think the question is, yes, it's a great point. It's why is Flash Gordon still relevant? we Filmed this 40, what is it, 43 years ago? Came out 42 years ago. I think he's relevant, uh, uh relevant because he's just a guy. So, the world, every every uh, man, woman, and child, uh, they'll look at this character, Flash Gordon, and go, Wait a minute, oh my gosh, these challenges, he's faced with adversity. Oh, he's vulnerable. How's he going to do it? He has no superpowers. And then he has six, he you know, he comes in, he helps, uh. He helps in it. He defends innocence. He neutralizes the threat and or brings them to justice. So I think they say, wait a minute, he's doing this. He's just a guy has no superpowers. If he can do that, then by golly, I can do it too. And I think that's why he's relevant. And I think that's the message. And yes. (laughs) Totally love that. I mean, it's like, just like you said, it's like the underdog winning and that just makes everybody feel, feel great. You know, one of the favorite ones I loved. You know, later James Bond that you had fought James Bond. You know, Timothy Dalton, you know, <laughs> as a uh, as the prince, and uh, that was an amazing fight. You know, with, with the tilting, you know, little platter that you guys were on. Yeah. And you know, what was that scene like? Doing that, I mean, how did they do that? It looks like it was real, but I mean, you're just standing in a green screen, or how, how do they do that? No, we we, we had blue screen back then, but there was there was really no um, only no, that was all. That was a That was the battle disc. It was a rotating disc. And when it was elevated in its highest elevation, I think it was about 25 feet. So what you saw when the camera looked down, you saw infinity space. Um, But we had just a bunch of stacked boxes. And when we fell, we fell quite a bit. We fell onto these stacked boxes, which was quite funny, but it it actually worked. Remember, (laughs) we're going back to 1979. Uh, but yeah, we had three technicians. We had uh, two operating the um, the spikes, two different sections of spikes, and then of course we had the other technician operating the tilt of the of the battle disk. So yeah. it, it wasn't so much that we. I mean, we, we rehearsed it for weeks. But uh, if we had rolled and tumbled onto the spikes, of course we wouldn't have been hurt because they were actually. It was an ingenious idea. It was um, bicycle pumps that they used for the shaft. Yeah. You know, hollow bicycle pumps, uh, the metal and the, the tips of the spikes were a hard rubber. So if we had rolled on it, then we'd have to stop production and repair it. So, yeah. but, but Timothy was great. You know, James Bond, he wasn't James Bond then, of course. Nope. But <laughs> we, we, we had that great chemistry and camaraderie and conflict of, you know, being representing um, England and he, and then of course me representing America. So, so we brought uh, a lot of that history, good history into it and uh, just had a lot of fun.
1: That was great. It definitely does. And I said, I have so many favorite scenes of the movie, but what about for the time you shot it and how Greg and I love it so much? You said the ordinary, that you did it, you were able to do it, Uh, Sam, just out of nowhere, meaning that you were just a guy. I think that's one reason. But I also think that science fiction at that time and just the different things and how you were able to save the world and how you had so many challenges to try to save that
3: world, right? There's so many, you just did it kind of like